Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Ellen. I'm Josh. Grant's here. Yeah. <laughs> Grant's here. He's in the background. He's actually, he's got a, a cut out here in just a little bit. He's going to head to a church. So he's going to get to share the word with them tonight. So we're, uh, we're thankful that God supplies opportunity. One thing I've always been told by a lot of elder men is, you know, uh, he doesn't call the equipped. He equips those you know who's gonna come out of just butchered that basically what i'm saying is you can't go out and get all the credentials and get everything and then wait you know without a calling god will call you he'll equip you and then he'll use you i butchered that but i think i explained it good good enough so i understood it yeah so man that's sad i've heard that my whole life and i butchered it but that just shows you how flawed our minds can be uh but yeah, guys, we're excited. Um, we're looking forward to this session today. We are going to continue the spiritual gifts, Lord willing. Uh, I know sometimes, you know, there's other things that we feel led to talk about. Um, but today we are going to talk about the spiritual gift of prophecy. Now, uh, I think one thing that we need to state before we actually get into this is, uh, well, before I even say this, we need to announce our winner. Um, congratulations to... Stephanie Hamby, she emailed in our guest for our 50th episode, and what was it, the number 50? I think that was the credentials of what we were looking for. So, Stephanie, if you're listening to this, congratulations. She's going to get a t-shirt, um, and we're going to get that to her soon. We're actually looking about doing some t-shirts anyway here soon, um, just to advertise more in, because, man, you just can't you can't go wrong with a good t-shirt. Um, and so we're looking forward to that. But uh, so prophecy, um, man, we need to have ears to hear when we talk about this because there is such an emphasis on context for this spiritual gift because throughout the centuries, people have, in, in a way, they take it one way or they take it another they take it their own way. They argue with this person. And so there are interpretations of this that, um, I guess, dare I say, are wrong. I, I mean, if I'm just being honest with you, according to Scripture, um, there are some that are right. There are some that are half right. There, are, I mean, so there's just different ballparks that I guess you could step into for this. And so what we've prayed for before we even started is that today we would rightly divide this word um, according to how God has given it to man through men. And this is an area and a spiritual gift that I, I've, I have confidence that the three of us have actually studied separately in our own time, in our own uh, way. We've probably been able to speak on it before in, in other you know audiences. And uh, I know this is actually a, a topic that I have been able to there's an ambulance. Oh, no, that was a fire truck. I just saw it. Um, this is an area that I've been able to really kind of study in depth myself, and I actually like talking about it a lot. And I think we're going to have some good conversation today. So uh, let's open it up with this. Um, I'm going to read, I believe it's... So we look at the word prophet. We look at the word prophecy. So I'm just going to, let's do this. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 12.10, and I'm, we're just going to open it up for conversation, and uh, we'll, we'll just talk as we go. So 1 Corinthians 12.10 says this, To another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, that means discernment, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. So right there it says the phrase, and this is the NASB version of the Bible, 
it says to another prophecy. Um, so guys, when we look at this word prophecy, I'd like to give us a, a good definition. So uh, prof a tia tia prophetia. Um, that's the Greek word for prophecy and for prophet. It's prophetus. So this is prophetia. Uh, means prediction, and I like this. In parentheses, it says scriptural or other, prophecy or prophesying. So, guys, when we look at this word, and it tells us that people received a gift of prophecy, what do, what are the basics? What do we need to know about this? Well, I was trying to look at uh, everybody's notes and see if anybody had the same notes that I had uh, for Scripture. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, the Bible uh, tells us that... Uh, uh, if you go to verse uh, 20, it says, Knowing first that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. And 21 says, For uh, prophecy come not at old times by the will of man, but uh, the holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So when you, you look at, at prophecy, uh you you see some of these uh, charismatics talking about how that God has revealed something to them and they're going to prophesy of a event that happens and uh, the the guy that uh, prophesied the end times and it's been done many times you know since I've been alive and uh, all of them are wrong uh, sometimes uh, I think that m- people uh, depend too much on their flesh and their own in- intellect and their own uh, Self uh, elevated <laughs> spirituality that uh, they think they've got this special connection with God that He's going to show them things that He's not going to show everybody else. And it's would uh, the scripture we just read uh, proves that it, it, it's all all of God's prophecy is self supportive of the word that's already given. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of starts. That really starts us out in a good place, and some actually thought when it comes to this word, you almost have to talk about what it is and then what it's not. And so, what it is is what, especially when you said the men of old when the spirit moved upon them. So, like, let's talk about this prophecy in in direction of scriptural interpretation and scriptural inspiration. So, the men of old, Isaiah, Noah, you know, all, all these men that had written wrote, think Moses, not Noah. Um, and you look at like um, Hosea, you look at Amos, you look at Habakkuk. I mean, just look at your Old Testament books. So these were men that were, in a sense, prophesying, especially like Isaiah, you know, Isaiah 53. I mean, the book of Ezekiel, he's prophesying about Babylon's coming to get Israel. You go look at what Jeremiah's prophesying, captivity, um, and you look at all these things. I mean, Daniel, wow, right? What's going on with Nebuchadnezzar and his dreams? Mm-hmm. Futuristic things that tie into Revelation. So before Scripture was completed, so when we talk about the canon of Scripture, and this is a term that you can find in a Bible college or any biblical church, the canon, the complete of Scripture, yep. right? So before Scripture was ever completed, or really, I mean, like, before the books were even assembled, but you might have had your first five books, your Torah uh, of the Bible. Um, well, Torah is what other religions refer to it as, but I'm just saying that's probably what you had, your first five books assembled. Uh, so w- when you look at that, man, Scripture wasn't complete. So you had Isaiah, you had Ezekiel. 
So you did have men prophesying things before Scripture was complete. Now that was important. I mean, that had to be done because God was using specific people to prophesy to Israel, to talk to this person, talk to this person. But it wasn't just to talk to people. These were things that were being recorded. So here we are in 2021 and we have it. So scripture, like Alan was reading right there, a lot of this was prophecy. I mean, Jesus is going to come, be born of a virgin. Uh, Cursed is the man that dies on the tree. You can read that in the Bible. I mean, even uh, Judas betraying Jesus was prophesied about. So in, in scriptural context, before the Bible was complete, yeah, people were given inspirations by God to prophesy about futuristic events. I mean, even looking like, I think it's Agabus and Acts. He goes up to, I think it was Agabus, he goes up to Paul. It's like, don't go to Jerusalem because if you do, they're going to come and they're going to tie you up and do this. Prophesying that Paul would be arrested and put in jail. So, like, people did have it, but that was before Scripture was complete. So now, Scripture is complete. The canon's complete. So, there's nothing else that needs to be added to the Word of the God, is what I'm saying. And so, when we look at this day and age with what Alan's saying, with... You know, this guy over here had this dream, this or this. I mean, Jude, our pastor's going through Jude on Wednesday night. Jude even talks about men who say they have dreams. Beware, you know, of those who do this or say they've experienced this. Clouds without rain is what Jude refers to them. So when we look at what prophecy is, let's focus on that. What prophecy is? We can get to the false guys here in just a little bit. So what prophecy is, you know, what it is before the Bible was complete, right? We've we talked about that, and I'd love to hear y'all put more emphasis on that. But it's an inspired speaker that's moved on. I mean, that's what the scripture says for the word prophet, pro, uh, prophetess, a foreteller by analogy, an inspired speaker by extension. I like this, a poet. So this is someone who's been inspired by God to say something. Now, in scripture, these were men who would speak on behalf of God. They would not control God, nor were they God. God would give them something to speak. So, your Old Testament guys, preaching to Israel, preaching about futuristic things. Okay, New Testament, right? Um, you get over into Acts, you get over into this. But not only that, when Peter stands up and he's preaching to the Jews, he's like, men of Israel, uh, you know, he quotes Old Testament scripture. Mm-hmm. So, he was inspired to say those things. So, a preacher... A pastor, an evangelist, in a sense, they are an inspired speaker of God, but we don't call them prophet. That's, I mean, we'll get into that in a little bit. You know, that's our pastor, that's a preacher, that's this, that's this. And so, did you have something, Josh? Oh, you shook your head. I thought I was like, okay. So, when we look at Scripture and we look at this Greek word and its definition, I mean, these are inspired speakers of God, but Alan, Josh... When we look at an inspired, how important is it that they are inspired by God, and that's what it is? Well, looking at the Old Testament, I mean, the key thing was is that, you know, that was God. They were the mouthpiece. They were the ones that were speaking the vision that he showed them. You know, you mentioned earlier um, about Nebuchadnezzar. You know, it wasn't Daniel doing it on his own. God gave him that clarity. God gave him that revelation to tell when he stood before him. Um, so when we look at the Old Testament and all of the prophets in the Old Testament that were given this prophetic message to pass on, 
um, they were they were being obedient to the work of of God. And I think that a huge point that we need to really drive home is it uh, it's not a dramatized uh, event; it's a submissive, obedient event. Right. It's it's a it's a fact of a human being uh, being completely right. Just Daniel, for instance, uh, Nebuchadnezzar didn't even tell him what the dream was. Right. He wouldn't say, "Here's what I dreamed. Interpret it for me." He said, "I dreamed a dream." You tell me what the dream was. Then tell me what the dream meant. Yeah. So he was completely dependent on God, and Daniel capitalized on the fact that God, I can't do this in my flesh. It's impossible to do this. If it gets accomplished, you're going to have to use me to get it done. Yeah. And that attitude, that mindset, uh, is crucial, uh, irreplaceable when it comes to prophecy. Yeah. And then when you, you also we also look at the prophetic message about when it's you know the forecoming of Christ. You know, so that that way, when that time period came, they knew what to look for. They knew what was the series of events that were happening. They knew what was the prophetic word was, you know, but that had to come out there before, because otherwise there would not have been that. But we see that through the Old Testament. We see the talk of Christ. And then in the New Testament is the fulfilling of Christ, you know, and that prophetic word coming to a close, which is what we do not see today. Yeah. Because it has been completed, they, like like yeah. I was talking, the mechanics yeah. complete. Yeah, all these things we've talked about were during the formation, yes. literally, of the biblical canon, scripture, the timeline, everything. And I mean, so like in the context of that, like yeah, that happened. People predicted. Well, not in a sense. To me, it wasn't that they predicted; they spoke because yes. God told them. And you know, out of His providence and His sovereignty, He sees the future of all His foreknowledge. Right? He sees all things, so He would just slip those details to man and then he would say it they had the faith to yes. believe and repeat what god had told them yep. and the confidence that it was absolute truth yeah and even in the new like we've talked about in the new testament i mean you had in a sense there were prophets in the book of acts there were prophecies that were said about things that were going to take place or this was going to happen or this was going to happen not necessarily as much as like Isaiah 53, you know, when what, you know, Agabus, are, and man, if I'm saying his name wrong, I'm, I'm going to be so mad. I'm, I'm going to have to look it up while I'm talking. But when you start looking at, you know, the the people that would come to Paul and start talking to him about, you know, don't, don't go here, don't go there. You know, you're going to be arrested. You're going to be this. You're going to be this. I mean, this was a futuristic thing that actually did take place. And when we read about it, I mean, that just shows the emphasis of how Paul was, he was dedicated to the ministry. But also it's like, I read this last week, and I believe it's Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Jesus did say, he said, I will sh- show him that he must suffer. Talking about Paul. So literally, he's going to suffer. Why? Well, what did he do to the church before he was converted? So the, the church he persecuted, he's He's going to suffer, right? He, I mean, not only because you got to think. Think about persecuting the church, right? And then all of a sudden you're converted, and yes, you've been forgiven. Yes, you've been cleansed. But all of those memories you still live with. Yeah. So he suffered. Oh, yeah. But then think about this. He kicked against the pricks most of his life, and then Christ completely, you know, saves him. And then all of a sudden, he's going to have to be the forerunner for the gospel. He's going to suffer. I mean, and so that's what he was saying. But, like, when you look at the text and you start seeing that people are telling Paul, you know, hey, you know, uh, and it was Agabus. It's right here in Acts 21. Yes. 
when you start looking at, you know, Agabus comes to him. He says he came down from Judea and he came to us and he took Paul's belt and bound his feet and his hands and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard these heard this, we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul replied, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we became quiet, remarking the, the will of the Lord be done. So Paul knew what he what was going to take place. But when we look at this, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Agabus comes and says, you know, this is coming, Paul. And then Paul has a teaching moment say, I'm dying for him if it's worth it. Let the, let, let the will of the Lord be done. What happens? Paul ends up dying. I, I, and so... But this is in the time when Scripture is being formed. So when we look at prophecy and prophets, it's easy when you look at this in the time of being, when Scripture is being formed. Everybody can agree that Agabus was inspired. Everybody can agree that Ezekiel, Isaiah, and all the pro- it Yeah, they're inspired. But where it gets dicey is now that Scripture is complete, do these things still take place? Now, both of you and I have said it. There's nothing else to add to Scripture. Anybody that comes to us with new revelations or new dreams, like we're told in Scripture to be aware of such people because the Word of God is going to stand forever. You know, even like Revelations, which in Revelations, it is talking about Revelations specifically. It's not talking about the entire Scripture. You know, John says if anybody adds to this book or takes away, you know, let let them be cursed is what he's saying. So, guys, now that we're outside, Scripture's been completely formed. We have our 66 books. We have our New Testament, our Old Testament. Prophecy, prophets, do inspired speakers still exist? Inspired speakers do still exist. And when we hear of prophecy, I mean, we probably don't use it in the same way. Context. Context, as yeah. the scriptural term was. I heard an inspired speaker this morning. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know saying? It, it, it's, a, uh, it's a position that God has uh, placed our pastor in to put us in remembrance of his word, the canon that has been left behind. To, he is in a position to search it, to study it, and to seek God's leadership on what is applicable for the congregation and that development process then puts us in a position of service and and, and advance the kingdom some of the things that we talk about in here regularly yeah routinely that comes up about how uh, we should be in the process of being more uh, uh, molded into the image of christ and and trying to be uh prefer others above ourselves uh our, our pastor i believe is one of uh, the men one of many that God has in, uh, I would say, placed the obligation or the responsibility on to be in that communication with God, to seek his leadership and to to be prophetic in a sense of an inspired speaker. Yeah. And so, and I'm glad you talked about that because... We we got to define this as a church because if we want to ever find the context to the best of our ability to be able to rightly divide this word, 
as much as we can on this side of eternity while we're still flawed, we've got to be able to ask these questions and answer them to the best of our abilities according to the Scripture. So let me say this. Anyone who is a prophet or preacher, in a sense, I mean, this is someone who is inspired, has to be. They have to be inspired by the Word of God. Okay, the other thing. When you look at this and it says, you know, a foreteller, by analogy, inspired speaker, extension, a poet, right? And a poet says things, sometimes elegantly, sometimes easy, sometimes simple, right? But then what is a prophet going to do? He's going to prophesy. So when someone prophesies, it literally says a prediction, scriptural or other. But we have to understand, this prophet has access to prophecy. So like, a man who's inspired to speak, what prophecy could he share in this day and age? What's already been written? Exactly. When he stands up and preaches Isaiah 53, or he stands up and he preaches John chapter 3, or he stands up and starts talking about the second coming of Christ, or the rapture of Christ, or the things that are going to take place during tribulation, he is accessing prophecy that's already been given to us. But when we look at that prophecy definition, it does say scriptural or other. So there is a scriptural side to it. Anybody who stands up under the inspiration of God to preach the scriptures in the context of this is prophet, is prophecy, right? But like Alan said, it's not the same context of what was taking place when scripture was first being formed. It's what's taking place after. And to me, I mean, when we talk about the the, the position that Jason Blair holds, uh, the respect that uh, I have for a man that God has put in that position is, you know what, uh, the message is sacred. And when, I, I've never been called to preach, so uh, there's things that my mind tries to imagine and figure out, how does God move on a man and how does he uh, deliberately, how, do, how does he... In, how does he work through just his everyday vocabulary and assemble words? And it's more than just writing a paragraph or somebody that's given a motivational speech. It's so much different than that. The the power that God places on those words, and I'm going to, I'm going to use a word here. I'm, anoints, ner- I'm nervous. Anoints okay, them. okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's that's a word that most folks are a little intimidated. It's by. an a, it's an adjective. It's, it's a description of what Alan saying is taking place. And it, it, to to me, that process yeah m- makes that more than public speaking. It makes it so much different than uh, a motivational speech. Yeah, when you say that, Alan, I mean I think that's a word that can easily be used if we understand the context. I mean, when you look at anointing in Scripture. It was the aspect of oil being poured on, and yep. it covered them. Yep. So what Alan's saying is he's using it as an adjective of description. They have to be led and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be gifted with such an opportunity to do it. So me and our pastor have a lot in common. We're the same age. We're, 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 you know, we have a lot of the same uh, hobbies and likes and things like that. God's placed a calling on his life. He's not placed on mine. So I can, I can look at uh, our pastor exercising his gift and God anointing his approval upon that and you see fruits from that. Yeah. But even like when we talk about our pastor and Josh is about to read this and what's great is I have it too. In 1 Corinthians 14, it kind of gives us a picture of what one does when 
he does stand to prophesy or what, you know, go ahead, Josh. Um, first Corinthians 14. Um, I'll just read the first three verses there. Okay. It's a follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophecy. Um, for he that speaketh in unknown tongues speaketh not unto men, but unto God for it, for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries, but that he that proth prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, to exhortation, and comfort. He that spoke unto no tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. And that that's, um, when he was speaking about this, that's the thing is, is that, you know, it was all done. It, all of it was done for edification, exhortation, and for comfort. Absolutely. That's it. Yep. Nothing more, nothing less. And that's one of the things that we do not see um, in what people claim to be prophetic yeah. visions of today. It, it, it's not doing any of these three. And Hunter said it a while ago. If you if you have a man stand in front of you and he opens up and declares that God has revealed a vision of prophecy unto him and it's not found in Scripture, it doesn't yep. coincide with Scripture, Scripture doesn't support it, there better be something within your spirit that turns the yeah. ADP burglar bar and goes, boop, 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 something's wrong with this guy, yes. and you better mark him. And, I mean, this is after the book of Acts. I mean, really, Acts is, you know, a lot of Paul's life has been lived. He's on a missionary journey, what we read in Acts. Um, you know, a lot of people, when they read the Bible, they think, oh, this happened, then this book was written, oh, that happened. So then Paul wrote all these letters during the missionary journeys we read in Acts, but... The church has been established at Corinth. So, like, there's no new revelation. There's nothing else. I mean, he's established them. And so, when you look at this, I, I love this text because, you know, I found this when I was studying. It was a reference text that was pulled up. Uh, and Josh said it, that edification right there, which some versions of the Bible, and I'm not going to try to pronounce this Greek word, just not going to do it. I mean, I, I'm telling you, you it's no. like oikod ome. I mean, it's just a big one. But what I wanted to take out of it was this. The act of building and building up, metaphorically edifying. The act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, happiness, holiness, you know, a building thing. So almost like someone who would build a building or add to, that's what he's saying this man does. And I think this is the best contextual picture that we have of someone who prophesies in the New Testament church yeah. during this time is someone who is going to speak for the uplifting and the edifying of the church, scriptural or other. And that's why, you know, when we look at all these, and I love reading that one because I was like, man, that's so good. I, I mean, that's the clearest picture that we can have as we go through this, this spiritual gift. If we want a clear definition of what this should and what it could look like, 1 Corinthians Paul hit it on the head for us right here. I mean, we don't have to add anything else. They should edify the people. But the real question, and I put this on my notes, is how do we know this is taking place? How do we know that this is what the man that's before us is doing? And I think Paul, actually, I don't think Paul gave it to us. Another verse in 1 Corinthians uh, is fourteen twenty nine, And dude, I was starting 28. He said, but if there is no interpreter, he is to keep silent in the church. And to have him speak uh, to himself and to God. Look here, verse 29. Have two or three prophets speak and have the others pass judgment. Let them weigh what is being said. And so when we have 
prophets, right? When we have preachers, you know, people who come before us and they're wanting to say, you know, this is what God's inspired me to do and this is what needs to happen. It's like this. I've had plenty of people come up to me and say, Hunter, I feel like the Lord's leading us to have youth revival. And I'm like, okay. So I listen to them. You know, they're like, God's pressing us. We need to do it like this. We need to do this now. We need to do it at this time. I listen to them. I weigh what they're being said. And I pray about it, and if God has not impressed it on my heart, then I'm not going to let Billy Bob come off the street, you know? But even like when a man stands up to preach the Word of God, if he says, this is what God has given to me, and he stands up to proclaim the Word of God and preach it, and then what he says is false, or what he says is way out of context, or what he says is a bunch of Bible verses pulled together in one pot to create some sort of uh, theology or ideology or some sort of grand sermon, then we need to weigh what they're saying and see if it's even accurate with the Scriptures. I mean, the Bereans, they searched day and night to see if what was being said was accurate. And so another verse that comes to my mind is, you know, I I was able to preach on this one uh, when you all went through Thessalonians on Wednesday night with Pastor and when you get to First Thessalonians 5, verse 19 through like 20, look here. So do not quench the spirit. But look here in verse 20. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. So Paul even says, don't despise when people come to you and say, you know, I've got this prophecy, I've got this, I've got this. He says, don't despise it, but you listen to them. And if it's good, hold to it. But if it's not, don't listen to him anymore. Yep. And so that's when we look at the spiritual gift of prophecy or prophet is we've got to get to the point, And here's the first thing we've got to get to the point where we can understand the word of God on ourselves without having to rely on anyone else to the point that when we listen to someone, we can discern through scriptures, whether they're speaking truth or so not. So true. So true. How many people out there are fallen victim because of their, and we, again, this uh, lack of knowledge is, uh, it's the, it's the, uh, ruination of, of where we're at right now if the if the church does progress it's going to have to be through uh that building and developing of, of disciples that are strong and and, and well versed and, and and know the scripture enough to sit down and, and search these things and see if they're so and uh you know the the, the fact that uh, people who don't have that are the ones that get led astray that get, get deceived and they fall for anybody that's got a a, a a, a slick vocabulary and, and are able to talk their way uh, into somebody's uh, mindset and they don't have enough scriptural knowledge to discern whether they're telling mm. the truth or not. But So what about the people that come up and say, well, this is what God's laid on my heart to do. And then what they do is not even in the Bible or what they do never happens. I, I mean, it's like, for instance, and I can tell you, and I'll say this boldly, uh, because of Christ, not because of me. But, you know, I know a facility right now that feels inspired to put a red ribbon around their pulpit, and that represents the blood of Christ. And as long as that piece of ribbon's there, Satan cannot enter that place. So it's like, who felt inspired to do such a thing? Why did God lead them to do that when there's nothing in Scripture that supports ever doing something like that. And you might be saying, Hunter, you know, you need to be fair. No, 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 my friends, I'm being fair. But it's one of those things that when someone does such a move or proclaims, like, this is what the body of Christ needs to do, we need to weigh what they're doing. We need to weigh what they're saying. We need to study out the scriptures and see that if that's something evident that we all should be applying to our lives. And if it's not, 
then I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to trust that, especially something like that, because what weight do we put into a ribbon? There's nothing spiritual about that ribbon. There's no anointing that could take place over that ribbon that would, I mean, come on, dude, a a ribbon versus Satan. I, I mean, come on now. But when we look at this, we have to understand that in this day and age, People are like self-proclaimed prophets and self-proclaimed prophesiers, and yet what they do is they stand up and they use the Word of God to their benefit or the way that they think things need to be, and they're speaking to a congregation of stumps, and I, I listen, I mean that in a nice way, of people, <laughs> uh, they're just there. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to study. They don't know anything to do except amen something that's not accurate with the biblical text. And that's where I'm sitting here saying, like my church family, We've got to get to the point that we can study. Yes, we've got to wake up. We've got to stop relying on men and women and what they say and putting weight in their words. And instead of trusting them, let's trust God that he will teach us according to his own word. So that way when people do stand up, we don't despise what they say, but we listen to them. And then if it's good, amen. That's right. We'll we'll, we'll say amen in the scriptures, right? Amen this. Let's do it. We challenge our listeners a lot. And right now, I want to take the opportunity to challenge you. If you're the ones who are listening to this podcast, don't take our word for any scripture we read, even though we've got our Bibles in front of us and we're looking them up. Go look them up for yourself. Go, Go look them up. Check absolutely. Us. The same things that Hunter just said, hold us accountable to that same standard because that's not just the plan for us. It's not just a plan for Watson's Chapel. It's not just the plan for the Baptist. It's God's plan. It's across the board accountability. Yes. It's, it's it's the fact that no individual person has the right to be in a position of a, a dictatorship. I mean, you get into those 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 some of those cultish things where the you hierarchies. Got one, you've got one person and you dare, that dare not challenge my authority type of deal, and you get into uh, those positions to where now this one person is we're putting too much. Stock in them. Yes. I mean, and, the, and they become they become. Whoa, oh, don't whoa, don't yes. challenge me. Don't, don't you don't you approach me. And there's a lot of damage that comes behind that weight. Yep. Because the 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 congregation or the people that that is involved in that come up under that, and they don't understand. You know, or sometimes that I mean, all of their stock they place in this man. You know, because they've been indoctrinated. The Pope. Under, you know, well, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on. He's only one example, Here's but I mean, there's, they're, they're, they're in the, even the little country churches. Yeah. You're gonna, uh, yes. You're I'm, gonna, I'm, 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 I mean, not to overshare, but I'll just say, guys, I've been guilty, and here's yeah. the deal. Uh, I've, uh, I've come to a place in my life to where, yes, I, 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 our pastor knows that I value his position, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative that he's here, and I'm in a position as. A, a, a deacon to, to to support and help and to you know make his job easier. Well, do I follow him? Yes. Do I blindly follow him? Absolutely not. Right. And that's no disrespect to Jason. No, it's not. It, it's not. But uh, God God has taught me a difficult lesson. I will not blindly find, follow a man. Right. Can't do that. You've got to follow with your mind in the Scripture, searching just like the Bereans and, and seeing if these things are so. Yep. Well, that's the thing. Like, so when we are in that place of, you know, either teaching or preaching, I would hope and openly respect if I was speaking out of text to be corrected. Yeah. Uh, You know, that's something that I hope that the brothers alongside me would come and, you know, say, hey, listen, because it's kind of at that place to where if you're at a place that they won't correct you when you're wrong. 
I mean, the, the, there is no love there. No. There, because if they truly loved you, unless if it's just a total thing of, you know, uneducation where they don't, they don't understand even the text that they're reading. And that's not only a disservice to you as an individual. Right. But man, that's a huge disservice to the body as a whole. Absolutely, as a whole, because as 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 we move forward, we're all in this together. Together, yes. And yeah. it, it, if 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 I've got it wrong, and I influence Hunter, how many people will Hunter influence? Right. It's it's like right now, people that you know, our listeners that listen to this. Josh just read from First Corinthians fourteen and talked about the upbuilding. What if that's not even what it said? This is an example. What if Josh just said something or made it up? If you're listening to this. How do you know what Josh just said or what I'm saying or what Alan's even right if you won't go look at 1 Corinthians 14 yourself? Right. Let's just, I mean, let's just be honest, yeah. right? And, and I mean, I, I'm guilty of it too. I've been led by word of mouth instead of looking at the word itself in a time of my life. I'm so thankful that when I did get into the word of God, God led me out of those situations and those places and those teachings that were out of sight of scripture. Um, and I'm thankful for that. But here's the thing. God has that ability to do it with all of us. If yes. we'll just get into the Word, and here's the thing. Have a clean slate and look at it like we've never looked at it before and just say, man, this is what the text says. Am I going to follow this or am I going to follow something else? And that's what these uh, prophets and self-proclaimed apostles and prophesiers have done is they target a certain section of, uh, you know, age, 20s or younger you know a certain demographic and a third world country they look and focus at a certain group of people to create a following of people i mean it's just like bethel bethel church out in california i mean they're teaching all sorts of undoctrinal in the sense and almost to a point like some like satanic looking stuff i mean they have a class at their their supernatural school of ministry that is called like being drunk in the spirit. I, I've seen video fo- footage of they have a barrel in, in a room, an empty metal barrel, and they have something on the side that says the honey barrel. And I've talked about this before. People go over to it, they dip their head inside of the barrel, and when they come up, they are possessed and drunk in the spirit. And they laugh and they bark and they fall on the floor and roll around and their eyes roll back in their head. And it's like, where in the scriptures are we instructed, one, to do, but second, to teach such a doctrine? That's doctrine to them. And to me, it's like the only example I see of that happening is when somebody's possessed. You remember when the father came to Jesus and said, there's a spirit in my son and he keeps casting himself down and he's hurting himself. That's what they're doing. And they're saying that's of God. I mean, come on. We have enough common sense to open up the Bible and see that that's definitely not according to the Word of God. And I get passionate about that that stuff. This is what what gets me. When we talk about how God moves on people, uh, and again, guys, I I don't know, for those of you who are listening and have never went to church with me, I'm a pretty emotional guy, and uh, they're they're right there on the surface. But that also causes me to get in my head a lot because I know it's not about emotion. I know it's not about emotion, and I know it's not about my feelings. But I'm I'm going through this like my pregame warmups on the way to church today. I'm I'm praying and I'm thinking, God, you know how how uh, you know today's going to go and I want him to get glory and I want yeah to we're wanting to hear a word from God everything today. go right and Satan puts this thing you need to keep your mouth shut today on you sit there and be quiet you don't need to you you just need to let the, the service mm. progress and I'm and I'm thinking to myself they were taking prior requests in Sunday school. And there's no doubt the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, your granddaughter just come through a pretty significant surgery, and yesterday was her best day, playing, acting herself, you know, 
not crying, not in pain. You need to thank God for that. So I did. We get in the choir, and they sang a song about, is there anybody here who knows he's faithful? Mm. And there's something inside of me. Yeah, boy. That appreciates, there's gratitude for the goodness of God, because I know healing comes from God. And it's a simplistic, guys. I know it's 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 pretty elementary, and when you look at it, but that gratitude, I am so grateful for my granddaughter's recovery. That pushed me to a position of worship. That I just, I mean, I don't, I don't care who's watching. I don't care who's listening. I don't care. You, I don't it, care. I don't care what Satan says. I don't care what anybody's opinion is. Now, I would never want to cause somebody to intentionally stumble. I would never want to do that. But here's what I've come to a realization. My worship should be directed at him. Yeah. At all times. Yes. And and I don't mean to cut you off, Alan, but, but, okay, so this morning, or no, last night, you know, it was late in the night, and, you know, I'll be transparent for a second, you know, I saw something, probably shouldn't have seen, right? So a moment comes where there's a temptation to continue in that thought, or bring it into obedience to Jesus Christ, as Scripture says, bring down those vain, cast those vain imaginations, right? So I have a moment of decision, and the Bible says to know good and do it not, right? That's sin. James teaches that. And James also teaches that, you know, when that temptation, that desire gives birth and conceives, right, that leads to sin, and now you're in a sinful state. So I had a moment, right? So in that moment, I prayed, of course, because I can't overcome this on my own. I have to overcome this through Christ. So I say, Lord, I need you to change my mind right now. Lord, I need you to change the my intentions. Lord, uh, change my heart. Lord, that I need to seek you and keep you first because you're my first love. Lord, I fully give this to you. And you know what happened? Boom. I went away. Boom. Victory in the moment. Not because of me, nope. but because of Christ. That's it. And so this morning, is there anybody here that knows he's faithful? Anybody yeah. here? The same, but different, a different circumstance, but the same praising of God. Because why? He brought me through that. Yeah. Only Christ. In our whole life, when we have godly men who stand in the pulpit and preach concepts and and and, and practical application of God's word and how you use it in your life to to become Christ-like, boom, that's how it happens. Yes, boom. In a moment of need, boom, right there it is. It's it's not some uh, elaborate futuristic uh, thing that uh, it's mystical and only a few chosen can understand. It's for everybody who will listen yes, and understand and apply. And it's like this, when we talk about, you know, and it's like you said, even at the moment that Christ has delivered us and given us victory, the enemy hates that. He's going to do everything in his power, what, to pull us back, right? But here's the thing. It's like, you know, last night I moved on. I went on with the night. And it's one of those things that, like, did my flesh, right? I quoted this coming in here because I was tired. But in reality, the flesh, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Could my flesh still have been weak in that moment? 
Yes, and it was. But guess what? The Spirit was willing. And here's the thing. Those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And here's the thing. The same power that raised Christ from the grave is the same Spirit that's within me. Yep. And so in that moment, and I, this morning and last night, I said, Lord, I know this is small. I know this is a small thing, but to me it's massive. Because you delivered me in that second. You helped me change my mind. You made me be an imitator of Christ. Uh, Lord, your Holy Spirit, you know, led me away, right? Because uh, Peter teaches us that the flesh and the Spirit, they wa- they're waging war against each other. Why? Because they want, the flesh wants this, the Spirit wants this, and they're colliding. The flesh wants us to follow sin. The Spirit wants us to follow God, right? Romans 7, you know, I, I delight in the law of God in my mind. I see another law waging in my members. But here's the thing. Christ said, I came to give life and give it more abundantly, right? Christ, there's songs out about victory in Jesus. That's a hymn a lot of people sing. There is victory in Christ at the moment of salvation, but believer, Christian, you still have an opportunity to achieve victory through Christ. But here's the thing. We live in a day and age, as Alan said, that only the mystical or the few really get to experience such a victory or such a moment or such a sensation because they prophesy it, because they're a prophet, because they're this. And it's like the school of Bethel. You know, one girl said, uh, she said, I have the spiritual gift of prophecy and the spiritual gift of uh, exhortation. And I use my spiritual gift to uh, prophesy over these group of children. And I didn't really know what to say. Sister, if you truly had the gift of prophecy, would God have not supplied you the words to say? But yet you came up short in the moment of trying to deliver something that you didn't have in the first place? Bingo. And and I'm not trying to be (laughs) critical. I'm not trying to be rude. But here's the thing. We've got to weigh what's been said. I mean, Paul told us to. So when we when we talk about this 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 prophecy and the when you when you're comparing a futuristic prediction or promise of a, a person or a man to a prophetic speaker in the context of God's word, it's human nature. Everybody everybody wants to think the future is going to be better than the present. Everybody, everybody wants, that's, that's the definition of hope, right? That's that, that, you know what I'm saying? So when, when you, God's people know what our source of hope is, right? It's not material. It's not, it's not, it's not, the, it's, it's not, it's not anything to do with, mm. with the, the, the times of the, the of the, the material, material things or the, the, the things that are going on in, in, in the media or in, in the government or the government. No, it's nothing to do with that. Our hope's anchored in Christ. Yes. So. With that said, the prophetic word that we have, that our ministers pour themselves into and study and, and, and research and give to us, when we live that out, there's confidence that comes when you're delivered from that. Just like you and just like in me, my, my, my granddaughter, I have confidence to know that, man, alive, he's still performing healing miracles he's still doing these things that gives me confidence in my faith that gives me confidence to help understand that i don't know what the future holds but i know who holds the future yes right? so when when you when you you look at all these things and you look at paul and you say man alive what a life he lived all the things he went through imagine the confidence that he had because he knew what he was he knew what he had been through he knew what a change christ had made in his life and he didn't matter what was waiting on him. He was going anyway. He had confidence. 
to go ahead without fear, trust in God. Yeah. And like another thing too, when you refer to prophetic word is here's the thing. Can God inspire us to go talk to others about things? Absolutely. God can inspire us to witness. God can inspire us to go visit somebody. God can invite, uh, inspire us to pray. Uh, I mean, here's an example. You know, I can think of many, but I want to use my own life. I don't want to use anyone else's. Um, you know, there was a point in time where I was part of a ministry, and uh, God bless it, you know, good work, good stuff going on, but I noticed there were some things going on that I didn't necessarily agree with, scriptural-wise. So I had a young guy that was under me, and dude, he, me and him are buds, and I was able to disciple him, and I thought to myself, I'm going to go tell him all this stuff so he will see what I see. And so we go to dinner, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm sitting down, I'm getting ready to unload and show him all these things, and in a split second, God puts on my heart and, and leads me to the point where it's almost like God's saying, don't tell him. He needs to figure this out from me. So I was like, okay. So Chaz is like, what, you know, and that's my friend. He said, what do you want to tell me? And I was like, my friend, there are some things that you are going to notice in your life. And my prayer, and I know my confidence is God's going to reveal this to you when it's time. Right? Something ins- I was inspired to tell him. So I just left it at that. Three years later, what happened? It all came to fruition. Now, was that because I spoke something into existence like a lot of these jokers say? No. That just meant that I was trying to intervene on something God was already doing. And so what did God do? He gave me the caution. You remember when the Holy Spirit forbade Paul and them from going into yep. Asia? Right? Go. So the Holy Spirit, God told me, he's like, don't do this. Let, I'm going to do it. And it came to fruition. Or like, you know, our pastor, he, he speaks about a time where he was pastoring and all of a sudden one night he woke up and he felt like he needed to go to his cousins. So he goes to his cousins and he says, you know, uh, John, and he's talking to him and all these things. And, you know, he, he would tell the story, both of them would. And he talks to him all these things and they leave. Well, all of a sudden after they leave, someone showed up to like do bad things to him. And so it's like, can God inspire his people, right, to do such things? Yes. Absolutely. Did uh, our, you know, like our pastor, did he show up and tell him, you know, he needed to get his life together and share Christ with him? Absolutely, he felt inspired to, but because of those actions, right, John, which is his cousin, and, you know, this is an open story, uh, his life was spared, but also now he's in the local body, super plugged in, and God has just done so so much work through his life. And so it's one of those things that, God does, in a sense, give us an inspired prophetic word. Now, is that the common language we use? No. Why? Hunter, why do you not use language like that? Well, so many people misuse that phrase to fit so many unbiblical things. Exactly. But is it real? Can God inspire a lay member of a church to go to someone else in the church or a family member and lay something on their heart and inspire them to do it and do a work through it? Absolutely. I mean, Agabus, right? God led him to Paul. God wanted him to show something to Paul and tell Paul something. And he did it. And what happened? God used that. And so I think it's one of those things that, as Alan said, there is a context that we can look at this and it can be biblically proven and biblically used. But we have to be careful because here's the biggest problem. When we try to put ourselves in Scripture, we mess Scripture up. 
It's not about you and me. Listen, we're not living in Acts chapter 2, my friend. We're not living in Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4. We're past it, looking backwards, trying to learn and be a part of the local body of church, and not forsaking the assembly, being a part of the body, answering the call to ministry, using our gifts for edifying, and everything Paul and God has given us in Scripture. And so I think when we look at the spiritual gift of prophecy and the Spirit... To an extent, and I think this is fair, you guys, you know, if you have another opinion to this, there is a part of it that should only exist inside of Scripture when it was being formed. Now, Scripture is complete. We're outside of it. There is a context that we can still use and still live in in this day and age, but we don't need to try to pull what's not for us outside of the text. And so, um, with that being said, guys, I, I mean... I feel like we've covered this pretty good. I think good. so, too. I mean, do y'all have anything else you'd like to say? Because, I mean, if there's one thing, and I know me and Alan talk about this, but me and Josh, we talk about this every week. There there are a lot of people deceiving and, and trying to fulfill and be things that they are not supposed to or God has given them. Well, as we go, uh, again, not, not to beat the dead horse, but we're going through spiritual gifts, and a lot of spiritual gifts get misused and they get used in a way that focuses on the, the person yeah. the individual and it's not focused on, on edification yeah. or lifting up the body yeah. and and prophecy is one of those yeah. uh you know when uh, you, you you read god's word and you see how god used people and man the, the bible is full of prophecies yet to be fulfilled i mean he's used men over and over again I think it's part of that fleshly battle where folks admire that and want it for themselves and say, well, maybe I can prophesy something into, you know, existence or guess or whatever, <laughs> you know. But the fact of the matter is, uh, once you start trying to seek credit and obtain some stat- status of uh, 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 elevated opinion in people's minds, yeah. You, you've you've uh, you've already started robbing God of His glory. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're just trying to build up themselves. Yeah, you know, and they and and <clears throat> they also the sad thing with what the environment that we see in today's time with the prophetic people that say they have the prophetic message message and vision is that most of the time they're quickly dismantled. Yeah, very quickly. Yeah, and. The second thing that is kind of a big red telltale sign is it w- typically feeds the flesh because mm. you're going to be rich or you're going to be wealthy <laughs> or you're going to be, you know, have a great job or yep. you're going to get your health yep. back. I mean, it's all these things that appeal to the flesh and it's not, it has nothing to do with the kingdom work. It has nothing to do with that. It's always seems to be in a moment that is. And like I said, I mean, it's, it, it, is, it is very sad that that's the way that they would take that approach um, because they are deceiving. And I think that they rightfully know that they are being deceitful. Yeah. You know, so the, they are doing a great work, but it's not for the kingdom. It's against. Them. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like if, you know, let's say, for instance, you, Josh, you and Alan told me, you know, Let's say I was building like a staircase and I was doing it, ignoring the instructions and you two were coming to me consistently saying, you're not doing this right. Like you're not following the instructions. You're not doing this right. 
And I look at them and I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't need those. I'm going to keep moving. That's what you're, they're deceitfully choosing not to look at the instructions given by God and continue doing things in their own way. And it's like, you know, people will argue about this and they'll be like, you know, Hunter, there are prophets, there are prophetic things in there. And here's the thing. If you fully believe that, that's your, I mean, that's between you and God. We're saying that these things do in, exist, but only in a context that we exist in today in 2021. And it's like everybody wants to be Paul. Everybody wants to be Peter. Everybody wants to cast a demon out. Everybody wants to speak in tongues. And Paul literally says, he's like, that's great. You all want to speak in tongues. He's like, I'd rather you prophesy. I'd rather you preach and edify the church and lift them up. See, but here's the thing. It's all about I. That's right. And you yes. you yep. said it, Josh. Yes. You said it's not about us. And I was right. like, dude, when is it ever? And that's the thing. When people insert the word ah, that's when, one, they mess it up. But two, there's no reverence for God and right. what they're doing. Right. And I think that's, okay, so let's, let's talk about this, right? So everybody might argue or everybody might have their opinions. But why do you think the text literally says, and in that day, many will say, did we not cast demons out in your name? Look yes. what I did. Did yes. we not prophesy in your name? I did. did we not go do this? Yep. But then all of a sudden Christ says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity for I never knew are you? Yeah, I never. You never. Yeah, I never knew you. I yes, knew you. you. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Hey, it. I butchered. What was it? He doesn't yes. call the equipped. He equipped, so it's fine. But the point is, is everybody wants to argue about this? But here's the question: Go look this up for yourself. Then why would Christ say that? Yeah. Who fits that description? Because if it's not the false teachers and the false prophets and the prophesiers and the dreamers and all these things that Jude clearly addresses, then who is it? Yep. Good is question. it the bib- is it the biblical people? <laughs> the ones that are operating the way that the text says? If you're listening, you better read your Bible. I challenge you, please go read your Bible. And we study, un- and, study, study. And we understand that like a lot of our listeners by now, which the ones we're even familiar with, you probably agree with us. But here's the thing. Do you even know what we're saying is true? Go look it up yourself because here's the thing. If you'll learn something from God himself, it'll mean so much more to you than if you'll just learn it from Hunter. Absolutely. Or learn it from Josh or learn it from Alan. But we have to understand, like, here's the thing. The spiritual gifts are mentioned in that description when Jesus says, people are like, did we not do this in your name? Did we not do this? Did we not do this? And he's literally calling out things that people are like, this is my spiritual gift. This is what God's called me to do. I'm going out among the nations to prophesy and speak miracles into existence and do this. And I'm here to say, what if that's the person that's going to stand before the Lord one day and try to give a million excuses? And in the whole time, they ignored the most basic thing, which was putting their faith in Christ and becoming a true disciple of Jesus. It's like this. You create a school of supernatural ministry, and why are people going to come there from all over the world? To do something supernatural, right? When supernatural becomes the norm, and by norm, the normality of society, like this is Christianity, this is the picture of Jesus, this is this, and that's what they've done. That's they've it. created a false uh, <laughs> dichotomy almost, you know, that, that word, and don't ask yeah. me what it means, but I've heard other people say it. <laughs> they've literally created a, a falseness, a false idol, a false picture of of what Christ is. It's like even at one of the Bethel services or even Benny Hinn's son, uh, uh, son-in-law, you know, the Jesus image church. They literally put a picture of Jesus on the wall and they're like, this is Jesus. Pray to this picture. Let's worship him. Let him come alive here today. 
that's what Christianity looks like today and the, and sad thing, the oh, normality. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, no, the sad thing is, is that that's what they're teaching these pe- these kids. That's where I was they're going. Teaching their, yes, that they're teaching. Here's your image. But then ask them, sit them down and ask them, say, what are the attributes of Christ? Why do we need a Savior? What did Jesus do for you? They can't answer it. No. But you can show them a picture and they'll be like, oh, that's him. Yeah. Who? And, and Who? Here's the deal. It doesn't matter what he looks like. I've heard no, people, right. oh, I'll see him one day and I'll know him. Absolutely. Uh, there'll be no doubt in my mind who he is. But right now, <laughs> the attributes are what we need to focus on. Yes. The, 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 the practical application. The, the rock star preachers and the pyro, yeah. you know what I'm saying? All that stuff. That, the power. That's yeah. what they want. Is the, the, yeah. It's like the, 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 the fireworks and, 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 and the, the, the confetti and all that stuff. You lose people. Because yeah. it's like Paul said. He said, imitate us as we imitate Christ. Christ yeah. And it's like everybody's like, oh, okay. Well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to cast demons and I'm going to do this. And, I'm gonna, and it's like, bro, no, 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 no. Don't even focus because here's the thing. Before a person could actually even get to that, they've got to practice holiness and get to the point where they surrender completely yes. to Christ. Yes. To be able, because here's the thing. Is Christ going to use someone who's falled and covered in sin? Right? And he does to an extent. Why does the scripture say, you know, keep the temple holy? Right? Your temple for the spirit of God. You know, practice this. Be a holy people. Be set apart. Be this, be this, be this. Why? Because here's the thing. If I'm out in the world and I am, uh, I mean, belligerently, honestly, just living in sin, indulgingly on purpose, just, oh man, I can do this and I can do this, but Jesus still loves me. Come, let's be more like Jesus. Let's be the body of Christ. And then everyone sees that the body of Christ is producing homosexuality. The body of Christ is you know, promoting drunkenness and this and unbiblical things. And here's the thing. What in the world's going on? He told us to be peculiar. Yes. He told us to be, be set separate. apart. And so that's what I'm saying. When you look at a Paul, when you look at Peter, when you look at... They were... Um, listen, they were literally said, imitate us as we imitate Christ. They were the forerunners. They were the men that, I mean, God used to build the church. They lived holy lifestyles. They know what it meant to be disciplined. They know what it meant to move those things that easily beset them. Were they flawed? Yes. But did they live flawed lives on purpose? No. no, they wanted to surrender to Christ every day of their life. And therefore, God gave them the ability. God gave them the ability, not us. Right. God gave them the ability to do such things. And so when people create a school of supernatural abilities, or you can be just like Jesus, just come do this. And they're talking about, you can cast out this, you can cast out this. Okay, why are we not telling people the first thing? Let's get, let's go through the milk, right? Let's talk about the baptism. Let's talk about faith in Christ. Let's talk about, you know, holiness. Let's talk about the attribute. Let's talk about moving, getting rid of sin, putting the old man to death and embracing the new man. Why are they not talking about that first? The first thing that they're doing is, they're coming into a room saying just come over here and lay hands just come over here and speak on this person just come over here and speak this into existence god will bless it god will use it and i'm sitting here like bro we can't get to that stuff we we're not available because why we are sitting here focusing on the wrong things because they're trying to feed their flesh they want the rock star side of it. Like you said, they want to do the healings. They want to do the speaking. They want the go, stage. They, they want all, yes. They want the attention and focus on them. Yes. But what they don't want is like with all of them, you know, when when Jesus was collecting his disciples, what did he tell them? Follow me. Yeah. You know, he meant, physically meant for them to follow him. Yep. 
now we don't physically follow, but we do spiritually follow Christ. Daily. But we can't let go of things that are sinful to nature of our lives that we will not set apart because we are too much prideful of a people to say, you know what, I can't let this go. I'm not going to give this to you because I still want this, but I am a Christian. You know, I was having a conversation with a guy the other day, and that's what I asked him. I said, you know, the sad thing is, ask people why they're a Christian. See what your answers are. Well, because I go to this church. Because I, never mind sin. Never mind Jesus Christ. You know, and we are failing. We are failing in our discipleship with one another. Yes. Yep. Until we get to a point to where we say, you know what? Enough is enough. I really don't care about what your thought is of the carpet. I don't care whether you like where I sit in the congregation. I don't care if I go up to the choir. Don't go. What I'm here to talk to you about is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And let's get real with each other. And let's yeah. start discipling each other and witnessing to one another and saying, you know what? I'm going to show you love, not from me. Right, we ain't I'm gonna show you the love of Christ yeah. because that's yes. what I was showing to me. Yes, yeah. and that's like you have the colleges out there that they bring people in and they're like, "Okay, listen, we know we're gonna get into theology. We know we're gonna get, let's get into some basic discipleship. Yes. Let, let's yeah. groom. Let's let, let us groom you a little bit. Let's uh let's talk about removing sin. Yes. like he, he Paul even told T- Timothy, he said, flee your youthful stuff, yeah. flee your immature state, flee those things that you've fallen into. Right, and. That's what some places do. That's what some churches do. But then what about the others that are like, no, 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 come as you are. You can cast demons out. You can prophesy. You can do this. Just come as you are. You know what? Actually, you can live in your sinful state and still do it. And I'm like, when in the world have we ever, ever been told that we can do that? that's what they're wanting, though. They're seeking after that. You know, because why would you, if you are truly still in that lost state, and you have not had your salvation. You know, there is no conviction there upon you. Why would you not want a place that is condoning every action that you live under? So I know we're running out of time, so I'm going to be really quick. You, you made an awesome statement. When you add the salvation, when you, when you move into a place of uh, discipleship and you're learning, I think it would do us good after we finish a segment of whatever the spiritual gift is to make, just make mention, I've done it two or three times at chapter 13 of first Corinthians, all these gifts are given to us to be used in a, from a, a motivation of love, yep. a godly love that we don't even have in ourselves until we know Jesus. That's the text mm-hmm. I read. He's like, if we prophesy and we, claim mysteries and all these things, but we do it out of love, it's not real. Yep. Like a tinkling bell that has no meaning, just so, an empty sound. And here's a question for another segment. So these people that are bringing people into supernatural things and supernatural ministries and all this and tell them they can do this, are they truly doing it out of love by teaching it out of context? Mm, that's a question. Yep. And so today you might be listening to this and you're like, Hunter, man, y'all are fired up about this. We are. This is a This is a great spiritual gift given by God. To be able to be inspired by yeah. the Creator God, to talk about His Word, to go witness, to be able to go do these things, inspired to go tell people in a third world country about things. So, in context, this gift is applicable. This does happen. But we have to be careful what we call it and how we use it, because if we misuse it out of context, what are we? Well, I've heard you make the statement many times, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. We're just trying to give guys some some guidelines here. Uh, it matters. Yeah. It really matters. And it, how you spend your time, 
Yes. And where yes. your rewards yes. and what they wind up being. And if you want to see a good picture of what this spiritual gift can look like, Josh read it. Go read 1 Corinthians like verses 1 through 5. I know it's going to talk about tongues, and you can study that too, but look at that section when it says prophesying for the edification of the church. Study that out in context, and you will see a great picture of what someone with this gift is charged to do in the 2021 that we live in right now. And you might be thinking, well, Hunter, how do we discern through these things? Go study out 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Go look at 1 Thessalonians 20 and 21 about testing and listening and all these things. And I'll say this, people better be glad that we live in the New Testament because you know what the Bible said about false prophets in the Old Testament? If the prophecy didn't come true, stone them to death. Yep. Mm, we need thank God for his grace. And so, listeners, we love y'all. We pray you're encouraged. We pray you're challenged and that you'll study out these scriptures on your own and for yourself. And we love you. And guys, y'all have anything else? God bless. All right. God bless. We, we love y'all. We'll see you next week. Peace out. <laughs>